Welcome to carefully examining the text. And the portion of the text that we want to look at in this podcast is Psalm 35. Psalm 35 is identified or titled as a Psalm of David. And in the Psalm, difficult to divide, but but we'll divide it by statements of praise in verses 9 and 10, verse 18, and verse 28. And I think they divide the psalm into three basic sections in which we will see the author is greatly distressed and greatly persecuted and opposed for his faith in God and his service to God. He's innocent of the things that he's accused of, and he is making his plea to God both to vindicate him and to judge those who are mistreating him. Also in this psalm, we're going to find the idea of Lex Talionis very prominently. That idea is that the punishment fits the crime. And what we're going to see in Psalm 35 is that often he will ask God to punish those who have wronged him in the same way that they have done wrong to him. And we're also going to find God being praised, God being glorified, because God is the one who delivers and rescues his people. Let's read the first three verses of Psalm 35. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of buckler and shield and rise up for my help. Draw also the spear and the battle axe to meet those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Contend with those who contend with me. The writer is being persecuted. Some are contending with him. Some are fighting with him. Also, though, he asked God to judge those who are mistreating him in the same way that they have mistreated him. Contend with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. He views God as a warrior, as a protector, who comes to the aid of his people, a God who is pictured as taking the buckler and the shield, a God who is taking the spear and the battle axe and coming in defense of those who pursue his people. Our God is a mighty God, strong enough to protect and defend his people when they are in need of his help. And as he addresses God and begs God to come to his aid in verses 1 through 3, much of verses 4 through 8 is going to use third person as it speaks of God. But you notice in verse 4, let those be ashamed and dishonored who seek my life. Let these be turned back and humiliated who devise evil against me. He is being persecuted. Some are seeking to kill him. They are seeking his life. They are devising evil against him. And his prayer is that God will make them ashamed and dishonored and humiliated. 
He states in verses 5 and 6, Let them be like chaff before the wind, with the angel of the Lord driving them on. Let their way be dark and slippery, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. The angel of the Lord is mentioned in the book of Psalms only in Psalm 34, verses 6 and 7, in Psalm 35, verses 5 and 6. And you remember in Psalm 34, verses 6 and 7, the angel of the Lord was encamping around those who fear him. The angel of the Lord was protecting those who serve God. Here, the angel of the Lord is pursuing and punishing the one who persecutes the people of God. As you look at these verses in 6 and 7, not only is the angel of the Lord pursuing this one who is pursuing God's people, but the text tells us that their way is dark and slippery. I cannot imagine what travel was like in the ancient world before there were street lights, before there were other artificial lights to give travelers some kind of comfort and assurance of what lies ahead. But not only are the travelers traveling in darkness, but their road is slippery. Psalm 73, verse 18, will use this same word to, to talk about the paths of the wicked being slippery. And here their ways are dark, their ways are slippery, and they're being pursued by the angel of the Lord. The chance for a safe journey is non-existent for these people. Remember we said that lex talionis is a key idea in Psalm 35. God is punishing evildoers as they have done to others. In verse 3, the word pursue was used for how the evildoers were chasing the psalmist. But now in verse 6, it is used for how the angel of the Lord is pursuing those who are pursuing his people. In verse 7, For without cause they hid their net for me. Without cause they dug a pit for my soul. Let destruction come upon him unawares, and let the net which he hid catch himself into that very destruction. Let him fall. Notice in verse 7, the phrase without cause is used twice. It will be used again in verse 19. Over and over, David will emphasize in Psalm 35 that he is innocent of any of these charges that have been made against him. He is, is without cause, his enemies are pursuing him. We saw verses 1 through 3 use the imagery of war and called God to be a warrior on David's behalf. War is open and direct, but here you see their plans are secretive. In verses 7 and 8, they are hiding their net. They are digging a pit in order to capture him. Sometimes the efforts of wickedness to capture us may be front and center, and they may not hide what they're doing. At other times, they are hiding their net and digging their pit in secret. 
But as we stressed, the idea of the punishment fitting the crime is so common in Psalm 35 that those who are hiding their net to catch others, the text says in verse 8, let the net which he hid catch himself. And the one who's digging the pit in verse 7, let him fall in that very destruction in verse 8. Let the punishment fit the crime. So verses 1 through 8 has described the persecution of the psalmist, pleading to God for salvation, begging God to come in verse 3 and say, I am your salvation. Begging God to judge the wicked as the wicked has sought to judge him. But then in verses 9 and 10, we see this statement of praise. When God has delivered him, my soul shall rejoice in the Lord. It shall exult in his salvation. All my bones will say, Lord, who is like you, who delivers the afflicted from him who is too strong for him? the afflicted and the needy, from him who robs him. The Lord is his salvation, verse 3 and verse 9, and everything within him, all my bones, will say, Who is like you, O Lord? That song was sang in Exodus 15, verse 11, when God divided the waters of the Red Sea and let Israel cross on dry land, who is like the Lord? In Micah 7, in verse 18, that question is asked to emphasize God's grace and God's mercy and God's forgiveness. And here, as the Lord delivers David from enemies that are too strong for him, who is like you? Who is like you? Who delivers the afflicted from him who is too strong for him. God's name will be praised as he delivers the psalmist from his enemies. In verse 11 and 12, malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things I do not know. They repay me evil for good to the bereavement of my soul. God needed to rise in his behalf, as verse 2 calls upon him to do, because in verse 11, there are malicious witnesses who rise against him. These malicious witnesses accuse him of things that he's never even heard or thought of, as verse 11 indicates. He has done good for them, which he's about to demonstrate in verses 13 and 14. He has done good for them, but they, they have repaid evil to him. And this has bereaved his soul. That word bereavement I could only found three, find three times in the Old Testament. Outside of this reference in 35 verse 12, there are two references in Isaiah 47 verses 8 and 9. Two times this word is used. In that context, the passage deals with one who has lost her husband and lost her children. Just as they would bereave, so David is bereaved. For these who have been false witnesses against him, who have repaid him evil for
for good, but in contrast to their harsh treatment to him. Look at his grace toward them. In verse 13, but as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth, and I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer kept returning to my bosom. He fasted for them. He wore sackcloth for them. He prayed for them repeatedly. He said in verse 14, I went about as though it were my friend or my brother. I bowed down mourning as one who sorrows for a mother. He truly grieved over their problems and their difficulties. He fasted for them, and his prayer returned to his bosom. We don't know exactly what that means. One writer that I was looking at suggested that it may mean beating your breast, as people were known to do in times of grief. In Nahum 2, 7 and 8, in Luke 18, 13. And he is grieving. But yet, when bad news came to him, in verse 15, at my stumbling, they rejoiced. They gathered themselves together. The smiters, whom I did not know, gathered together against me. They slandered me without ceasing, like godless jesters at a feast. They gnashed at me with their teeth. Gnashing of teeth is used to indicate hatred toward the person at whom you gnash teeth. You see that in Psalm 37, verse 12. You see it in Job 16, 9. And you see it in regard to Stephen in Acts 7, in verse 59. They gnash their teeth at me. They rejoice at his trouble. They rejoice in his calamity. They slander him unceasingly. And they express their hatred to him continually. Lord, he asked in verse 17, how long will you look on? God is all-powerful. God is able to deliver. How long will you let this situation prevail, O Lord? Rescue my soul from their ravages, my only life from the lion's. The word only was used before in Psalm 22, verse 20. It was used three times in the account in Genesis 22 to describe Abraham's only son, Isaac. I'm precious to you, O Lord. Please rescue me, deliver me. And again in verse 18, he states, I will give you thanks in the great congregation. I will praise you. Among a mighty throng. In verse 19, do not let those who are wrongfully my enemies rejoice over me. Neither let those who hate me without cause wink maliciously. Without cause, used twice in verse 7. Again here in verse 19. Notice in verse 19, they are wrongfully my enemies. And just like in verse 15, they were rejoicing over his calamity. In verse 20, David writes, For they do not speak peace, but they devise deceitful words against those who are quiet in the land. They open their mouth wide against me. They have said, Aha! Aha! Our eyes have seen it. 
Look up the word aha sometimes in a concordance. And I think you will find that every time the word is used, the one who is speaking those words or speaking that word, as this word appears again in verse 25, is speaking those words, mocking and taunting another. And here they are mocking and taunting David. They are saying, aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. We, we know now you're guilty. These malicious witnesses claim to have their proof. But in verse 22, you have seen it, O Lord. Look at those verses again. Do you notice the contrast in verse 21 between others who claim we've seen it? The psalmist appealing to God's omniscience. You've seen it, O Lord. Do not keep silent. The enemy slandered him unceasingly in verse 15. God, please don't keep silent. Please speak on my behalf. And he says in verse 22, do not be far from me. Stir yourself and awake to my right and to my calls, my God and my Lord. Judge me, O Lord, according to your righteousness and do not let them rejoice over me. God is going to be described as a righteous God and a God who judges in righteousness in verse 28, just as he is here in verse 24. And do not let them rejoice over me. Verse 15, verse 19, verse 24. Talk about the wicked rejoicing over David's calamity and trouble and begging God not to let them rejoice. The word will come into play later. Keep paying attention. In verse 25, do not let them say in their heart, Aha, our, our desire. Do not let them say, We have swallowed him up. Lord, please don't let them say this. Let those be ashamed and humiliated. And both of those words, by the way, were used in verse 4. Let them be ashamed and humiliated all together who rejoice at my distress. Now, the word rejoicing was used in 15, 19, 20, um, 24, excuse me, 15, 19, um, 24, and 26. These were four times the word rejoice has been used already. Each time that it's used in those verses, it is used to describe the rejoicing at David's calamity, the rejoicing at the fall of the righteous. But that word is used one more time in verse 27. There's a different Hebrew word translated rejoice in verse 9, but, but this word is used in verse 27, and this other word used in verse 27 that was used in verse 15, 19, 24, 26. And this says, let them shout for joy and rejoice who favor my vindication. Do not let the wicked who are seeking my demise rejoice. But Lord, the one who wants to see truth prevail and righteousness vindicated, yes, O Lord, let them rejoice. And let them say, the Lord be magnified. That word magnified in verse 27 was used in verse 26. In verse 26, it was the wicked who were magnifying themselves themselves. 
over me, over David. But in verse 27, it is the Lord who is being magnified by the righteous. Who is it that we magnify, that we glorify, that we exalt? Is it ourselves? Is it the Lord? Verse 28, and my tongue shall declare your righteousness and your praise all day long. Psalm 35 is a beautiful psalm, a profound psalm, and we're going to spend more than one podcast on it. Lord willing, in the future, we want to ask, is it okay for Christians to ask judgment upon their foes? We also want to have another podcast dealing with Psalm 35 and Jesus. But right now, we thank you for listening And may the Lord continue to bless you and keep you.